What are you including in your witchy den? Well, you know, I have like my switch and I have... Um... <laughs> Every witch needs one. Yes. The moon is gay as fuck. So super moon can only yeah. be gayer. It's not only so full and so thick tonight, oh. but she pink. Oh my god. I watched Mandy last night. We just got Shudder. And it is Nick Cage out of his cage. Oh. I feel like Nick Cage is like one of the Tiger King's tigers. Like, oh my god, out. <laughs> it can't reach its full potential unless it's completely loose but at the same time it's the most dangerous thing on the planet it's incredibly dangerous like i am one bad investment or one bankruptcy away from becoming like a florida character <laughs> i'd be Haley domestic and i'd have like a bunch of huskies and then suddenly you're feeding somebody to your huskies and it's a whole thing i've already done the get involved in a murderer's life yeah. thing, so. <laughs> been there Zach, should we start this show? Yeah, let's do it. Okie doke. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> this is so weird. I forgot how we even do this. Yeah, it's, uh, it feels we're so removed from it. Yeah. At these points. We're so not together. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Haley. I'm Zach. And we're, we're not, not together. together. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Zach? Yeah. Yeah. I'm great. Turns out it is, uh, I mean, they'll be listening to this on Thursday, but right now it's Tuesday and it is a super moon and it's a it's a pink one. So it's, it's the biggest and it's the gayest it's ever been. So I think there's a lot of good energy coming into this episode. A lot of really good gay energy coming in. Yeah. It yeah. really can't be better. Yeah. So what have you been up to since the last time we spoke? Uh, man, oh man. I have just been not cleaning my room like mm -hmm. I should be. Mostly watching horror movies and then uh, playing D&D &D all weekend. We played on Saturday. Yeah, that was super fun. S sort of like this, but not recorded and with other people. Yeah, right. Sort of like a podcast. Sort of. I mean, <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of um, a combination of Ozark and Love Island. So just yeah. the extremes of television. Yeah. So like very, very good. And then total, total trash. There's something about straight relationships that I find fascinating. So I just like to yeah. watch a lot of dating, sh like straight dating shows. I know what you mean. Not not that anything actually interesting happens to them, but just the way that they interact is like kind of wild. Like yeah. there was a challenge going around on TikTok where it was like the naked challenge where a girl would like, I guess, be naked off screen and come in filming her boyfriend like playing video games or some shit. Right. And the look on their face, you would think that these straight people have never seen each other naked before. The way they yeah. just like their mouths go agape. <laughs> I just don't understand. Because it's not their scheduled sex night. Right. <laughs> it's not even Wednesday at 8 p.m. <laughs> it's not even Taco Tuesday. Are we doing Are we doing missionary tonight? I, what? It's not it even compute. sex Sunday, honey. <laughs> golly. Golly. Golly, gee willikers. Put those knickers back on. You harlot. What will the neighbors think? You utter frippet. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, Can you hear my dog barking? 
I know she's so know. she's so uh, sad. She's so honestly abused. <laughs> you, uh, oh my gosh, she is angry. She's just like talking. I'm so sorry. Hold on, one sec. Yeah, no worries. We'll pause. I like the dog in it. <laughs> um, where were we? Well, speaking of good girls. <laughs> <laughs> so we should leave all that scout stuff in so we can get. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Yeah, sure. We can leave some of it in. Okay. Well, sp- speaking of good girls. <laughs> speaking of good girls, or or very bad boys, we have a, a very special guest on the show. Uh, a friend of ours. Uh, he is a, a writer, a performer, a just a general all around creative and which uh, Andrew Barrett Cox. Hi. Uh. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and um, to add some to that multi hyphenate, also a choreographer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all there is to say about that. Thank you so much for coming on the I show. Mean, I'm your guys. I'm trying to be your manager right now. I'm trying to. I'm trying to push no. your uh, your creds. No, I love that. No, I, I'm really bad at when, whenever somebody's like, "What do you do?" I just go, "I'm. I'm I guess I'm creative." So I, yeah. I need that. Yeah, you just did that to us moments ago. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. <laughs> it's weird because you don't want to come off as like weird and braggy but you also you don't want to be that person who's always talking about their project or something like that but you also need to sell yourself it's a weird line to it's a weird line to tell it's a weird balance and i'm a leo and i've been through i feel like the Mm. ups and downs of that so i feel like i've been that person who was just absolutely (laughs) awful um so i just trying to balance it out um speaking of uh of of all you know being a leo and, and the moon and 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 I, I also mentioned you being all witchy and stuff like that. We did a very brief little tarot reading before to see how this went. I don't know if we include that in the intro, but uh, what did we get again? What did what did we pull? The Prince, Prince of, Cups. of Cups. Prince of Cups. Mm. And what does that mean? Quick as a quick summary. Just you know, a fruitful uh, creativity. And right now the moon's in Libra, and I think it's a good time to just you know put intentions behind all your projects. <laughs> Believe in them. Oh man, shit. Yeah. So this is going to be the best podcast ever. Yes. Basically. So we're focusing on theater today. So obviously uh, we had you on and I was wondering if you could talk to us about some of your work. About theater. About theater. You know, it's so funny. I grew up doing theater and um, I went, I, I was originally going to college for musical theater. Um, and wh- while I was waiting to hear back from schools, I slowly started figuring out that I didn't want to be a musical theater performer. I wanted to write. And I wanted to choreograph and uh, be sort of more behind the table. And when I got to college, I switched my major to audio post-production, was producing music. And my interests have always tended to stray off the beaten path and to be a bit more darker and grittier. Um, Something we, Zach and I originally bonded over was Rocky Horror, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So... The music that I listen to is actually I'll take a song and put it into my DJ app and speed it up. And that's how I like to listen to music. But um, the, like the nightcore version. Yes. Yes, exactly. A um, lot of K-pop, a lot of J-pop. Yes. Um, but uh, I guess things that are uh, other always interested me. And uh, I've written a few shows of that kind of our own umbrella of that um, or under that umbrella. And uh, I guess my 
stuff tends to live there. And now um, I found two other people that uh, in New York that kind of shared the exact same uh, belief system I did. We started a company. It's called the Neon Coven. Um, and we have three pillars um, that we stand behind. And it's uh, stories about otherness, theater in non-traditional spaces, and screaming. And, um, <laughs> and so um, that's a little about me and theater. Yeah. I love that. I love those pillars. Yeah, right? I love Especially screaming. screaming. Yeah. I think as queer people, we're all, or a lot of us anywhere, attracted to things about otherness inherently. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, we were even ch- just talking about Party Monster earlier. The reason I was so obsessed with the movie when I first watched it is, uh, have you guys seen like Charmed? You guys have seen Charmed. Yes. Yeah. So like, are we all... gay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but in like, how many seasons of the, is there like six seasons? In all seasons of that, there are, I think, three gay characters in San Francisco. And it's like an annoying <laughs> photo- an annoying photographer who's like, oh, Phoebe. And then there's like one other guy who's just in the office. And I think there's like one lesbian couple and they both get murdered. Right. Um, and, that, of, and that's Because it. of course they do. <laughs> Classic, right. classic lesbian story. But it line. was, it was so like the like, and we'll make them gay. But the cool thing about Party Monster was, as let's just be honest, as like trash of a movie as it is, like it's just like campy loveliness. But it just, you know, it isn't. It's very lowbrow. And yeah, of course. Well, it's a um, lowbrow subject though. T T T. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you know, when I first watched it, I didn't. Well, I didn't know it was a true story. And I was just infatuated with the idea of the like just a plot about queer people without it being like they're queer. Look how hard it is. I was like, no, we. I this can be a multi-layered character. Yeah, a, a drug addict, sociopath, murderer, like club kid, crazy person. The fact that he's gay is just like. A, a trade about him. Yeah, that's just the whipped right. cream on the top. Exactly. Um, Haley, have you seen Party Monster? I have. Well, I've seen yeah. the documentary. I saw the movie years ago. Um, for anybody who hasn't, do you, either of you want to des- uh, describe the plot? Um, Haley, take a swing. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to take a swing and you fill in the gaps. Um, okay, okay. But it's about this, um, it, it was in the 90s, correct? Uh, this 90s kind of club party. Um, you're going to have to remind me of the name of the scene. The uh, club kid scene. The club kids scene in the 90s in New York City, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were addicted to drugs, and one of them ended up murdering someone else, um, kind of in a drug-fueled uh, argument kind of thing, and also kept his body in a in an armoire for a long time. Very gay. <laughs> very, that's very, like, there's something so... So queer about that. You know, it was a beautiful antique armoire. It had to be. Oh my god! <laughs> There's also something so inherently queer about like holding on to like something to somebody longer than you should. You know? Oh, work. right. Like, uh, yeah. I.e. Norman Bates. Yes. So I think you did a you did a great job. It's beautiful. Oh, thank. You. I have been immersed in this for much longer than I would like to admit. But the uh, he. But but yes, club kids, limelight, club limelight, late eighties, early nineties, uh, Michael Alec and James St. James, um, drugs, 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 
Uh, Michael <laughs> murdered his drug dealer Angel, uh, put him in a bathtub, got too smelly, cut him up, put his legs in a dumpster, put his torso in a TV box, there kept it there, mm. then threw it into the Hudson until it floated onto a beach later. And, and that's what you missed on Glee. And <laughs> Glee! Yeah. <laughs> craziness uh but so then you you also took a lot of the, that inspiration and you fueled it into your show clubland correct yeah so uh it was i think 2011 i watched that movie on 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 break and i was doing a show at the american repertory theaters club theater called club oberon at the time it was called the donkey show and mm-hmm. uh, it's Midsummer Night's Dream, but it's set in Studio 54. So it happens all around you. And Titania's this disco queen with pasties. And um, it's uh, on all the all the females also do drag. So there are Lysander. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was in that I world. That. And uh, I was like, wow, this story would work perfectly in a club theater setting. What, what better place to experience this? Um, and I knew I wanted to... Uh, create a role for someone like myself to play. Uh, I was like, what other show has like a blonde, thin, like drug addict, crazy person that like you could really dive into as like a character? Um, so I was, I was pretty determined to do that, and uh, I adapted the movie, book, documentary, just all kind of conflamed into. Uh, the show I wrote called Clubland, and it ran in 2012-13. And then we did it mm-hmm. again at a club in Boston, and um, essentially I got uh, swept up by this guy, and he took me around New York, and I fell into the nightlife scene in New York and Boston, and um, I was kind of, without even knowing it, just like leaving my other writing life behind, and I that was my main thing. I was making crazy costumes and going out. I fortunately slash unfortunately never did any drugs. Um, Would have been been a great story. But um, uh, and then by the end, I found myself, you know, uh, in L.A. actually in a basement with Michael and James. And um, so you were in the because the guy's out of prison now, right? He is. He. um, Yeah. So you met with him. In, I did. That's it's, insane. It was so crazy. It was so crazy because when I was in it, it felt still fake. And I talk about it a lot in the book. Um, but I'm like sitting, I'm, I was writing to him in prison because everyone was telling me I should. Mm. And I was, I was pro- like 20, 21, which I guess you think, like you think at that time you're an adult, but looking back, I'm like, oh, I was just a baby. Yeah. And I really didn't know anything about the world. I was in college and um, I had these professors and people that were living in the world and doing these incredible things or, you know, people that I looked up to telling me I need to be friends with him and I need to get in good with him. And um, to be honest, like he's, in order to tell this story, you mean not even just like, oh, to, no, just to, because... to get ahead in life and oh, uh, to be. Yeah, just in it became all encompassing. And uh, yeah, I was. I a couple of days after he got out of prison, I met with him, um, and he broke parole in L.A. He went and we he, they had a party at King Eddie's. Do you know where that is in downtown L.A.? No, really, no, really no. random. And um, 
I'm just going to tell the story. It's fine. So essentially, I I, I got the call. I'm going to be real. Um, I got the call. I'll leave some stuff out. But um, uh, I got the call um, that they wanted me and my my friend at the time to come and just come dressed up and come to this party. And so we put our full regalia on and went there. And I'm I walked in, and it's it's crazy because he has become such a I don't know if the pariah is the right word, but he's become such like a an icon for queer club kid people, even though yeah. he did murder somebody. Mm. Um, and so we walked in and there's a crowd of people around him just like trying to get trying to get to him. And so I felt really cool. They like parted the seas and we walked over and then they were like, we're going to VIP. And I was like, work. And so we <laughs> go downstairs and VIP was like a basement. And uh, the, the the security guard was like, the cameras are there and there, the sight lines are there. And I was like, I don't know oh, what that means. Oh, I see. And next thing I know, there was like drugs on the table. And I was like, if you're doing drugs, I will let everyone know. And I'm going to tell your parole officer that you're here. And he was like, no, 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 we're not doing them. We're not doing them. And it was at that moment, I just, you know, nutshelled, but I was like, oh, this is real. These people are real. Uh, they haven't changed and I'm in this now. Um, and so that's, that's kind of when I closed that chapter. Yeah. Smart. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was, it was kooky. But it is good fodder for, for your, like, you know, for creative endeavors. Yeah. For art. (laughs) A-R-T-P-O-P. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Fascinating. Underrated album. Uh, underrated. Uh, well, all right. So then, um, could you talk about some of your more recent uh, works with, like, for instance, the Neon Coven? Yeah. So and uh, Oscar. Well, yeah. So actually, so what's cool about the Neon Coven is essentially, um, I'll do the whole timeline. But before the Neon Coven was a thing, I had Clubland, um, and then when I was in LA, I wrote my feminist witch rock opera called Hexed. Um, and it's kind of like Avril Lavigne meets Evanescence, uh, like queer feminist yelling and, uh, (laughs) right. Screaming one of our pillars. Love that. (laughs) And, uh, and then, uh, right before I left for Los Angeles, I, uh, my friend Mark had done, uh, a show for his senior thesis called Oscar at the Crown. Uh, at Harvard and uh, Marcus he's just so brilliant and he put the show up in the same place we did Clubland uh, and he asked me to write the music so I wrote a few songs um, and uh, it was all about Oscar Wilde's life and he played Oscar and it was sort of just his life um, and when I got back from LA actually so I was <laughs> Zach knows I was really depressed in LA <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so um, when I was thinking about moving back to New York, he called me and he actually got me a job um, for when I got back to New York. And so oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, he's the best. And uh, we he was like, you know, what? I think I want to do something with Oscar at the Crown again. And I was like, all right. And uh, uh, we did a workshop of it. Still wasn't correct. Um, but then his uh, friend Shira came and was like, how can I help? And we were like direct this um and so the three of us started getting into conversation and we did uh the first thing i think we did together was um we did a uh a concert of all my new rocky horror arrangements i reorchestrated all of rocky horror so it was just a bit more modern rock punk 
it's so good i i was sending um i sent Haley the clip of you the, the more re- most recent one you did of science fiction double feature the uh, yes. one. dangling from the ceiling it's incredible um, um yeah, yeah yeah do you also do so you also must do um silks like silk performance right so here's something funny so <laughs> so i was a gymnast as a kid and when we um we were planning on doing that circus rocky horror um at this place called the muse in brooklyn um and so they had all this stuff and uh i work for a queer party um in uh new york called hot rabbit it's the best uh it's a lot of queer women but it's just like it's the place that i feel the most comfortable um and i emcee there every single week and we were having our halloween party at the muse and so once the neon coven founded we were like let us do rocky horror um so we just did the numbers there um and um i don't know why i don't know why but they were like who's gonna do science fiction and i was like i'm gonna do it i was like we 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 need someone to like dangle from the ceiling and yell i was like i just like i don't want to figure that out right now i think i can just do it and um i'd never i'd never done ariel before and i lied i lied and i was like they were like you've done it before i was like oh yeah yeah, i trained like back in new hampshire and they're like cool and i was so nervous and the first day i got up and they were like oh my god we need like more more male aerialists like oh you got to come do this and i was like oh work i tricked them (laughs) no that's incredible because i thought i thought it was like i thought you were like a pro when i watched that video it was awesome i knew i had like the upper body strength and flexibility so i was like i think i figured it out but i'm terrible at silks i've i'm so bad i've like tried it a few times and i'm just like nope not gotcha um (laughs) it's when when i watched that i was like this is like um rocky horror mixed with like fuerza bruta or something oh it's funny because the girl uh that runs the muse was in fuerza bruta so oh that's awesome wild right but then we did a uh a concert another concert um sort of our like our founding concert of uh a bunch of my music and we did some songs from uh the my rocky orchestrations and we did it uh, we were going to do it at the place we did the first oscar workshop and about a week or a few days before our concert they were like you can't do it here and we were like fuck so shira this new bar actually here we go this new bar opened in brooklyn uh like a, a month earlier and it was called three dollar bill bringing it back to Ki- oh, tiger King. yeah there you go. Mm-hmm. um and uh Shira like messaged them on Facebook being like hey can we come to a concert and they were like will you bring people and we were like yes and they're like great <laughs> so they let us um come in and like bring a band and we just had like a hundred or 200 people whatever it was like our first thing and um we just did a bunch of my songs and we got there and they were like oh you want to see our back club space and we were like yeah and they brought us back and as soon as we walked back it, it like there are you think in New York there are a lot of spaces like this, but there really aren't. There really aren't a lot of like club theater spaces where it's nightlife and it's there's a stage and you know a, a cool space. And we walked in and Mark was like, "This is Oscar," um, because he had studied in Berlin, so he was always going to Bergheim, and he was like, "It's metal, mm-hmm. it's cement, it's." Um, so we saw it and we said, "Okay, this is our first show," and. Uh, we went away and started doing rewrites on it. And ultimately we decided that um, his show, Julie Cooper and his Oscar Wilde show were actually the same show. So <laughs> he, he mashed those up. I wrote all a lot more music and um, I was finally able to choreograph. And I, um, uh, I 
actually didn't design the costumes for that show, but I constructed the costumes uh, for the first one. Um, I, I follow this guy on Instagram named Mateus Forte, and I'm obsessed with his sketches, and I was like, he's going to design them. So we, like, sent him all this stuff, and he sent us back sketches, and it was, like, one and done. They were perfect. Oh, my God. And awesome. uh, then Shira directed, and she sees things and is able to do things that I just cannot do. Um, and so it was the first time we'd really worked. To, actually, the first it's time we... It's crazy because you do so much. I can't imagine what those gaps are that she... Well, I think my brain is often um, spectacle-based. So I love seeing, like, larger than life. Like, I'm like, this is Mad Max meets Rocky Horror meets, you know... And she's like, great, yeah. but like, let's tell a story and like, let's like focus on this scene. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, oh, this scene's good. And she'd be like, actually, no, something's wrong. And then like, she'd fix something. And I'd be like, oh my God. And it would like yeah. change yeah. everything. So it's incredible. Yeah. And um, we did our first run of that at $3 Bill. And a few months later, we reopened with commercial producers. And um, it's, it, I told them the other day, it was like, it's probably been one of the most fulfilling sh- things that I've done um Oscar at the Crown it's a an immersive nightclub musical slash I say experimental piece of theater um and it's essentially about this group of exiled queer people who um are stuck in this bunker after being exiled out of society and they've been there for years decades and uh, essentially, they do this show about Oscar Wilde and how he was the original reality television star. And the show takes place when a so new cool. exile comes and uh, they teach her or them about uh, their religion, which is the, the fact that Julie Cooper from the OC predicted uh, reality television and Twitter and ultimately the end of the world. Um, and they do the show to keep themselves going and to keep themselves from going crazy about Oscar Wilde. And I won't really ruin it, but at the end, the new person that comes in kind of like shuts it all down and is like, this is all wrong. Um, mm-hmm. so cool. I love it. It's, it's a wild Did show. you see it? I, so I've listened to all of oh, it, yeah. but the one day I was supposed to actually come, I got like so sick from That's traveling. That's right. And then I, I was so upset. I called you and I was like basically half in the toilet. Uh, oh. I felt so bad. But I really, I it's like it, it's like my one regret. It's going to be my rosebud, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> um, but we do, uh, we can play a clip of it right now, actually, uh, if that's cool with you. Let's do it. Show. Great. Let's pl- we can play a bit of Julie, which is, this is in the show. It's, it's a 10 minute uh, production number that is a conspiracy theory about Julie Cooper, the OC, Real Housewives, Twitter, and the end of the world. But this is just a clip of it.
a little thing from the show. <laughs> so that's just a little thing. It's so wild. <laughs> just a little thing it's, I put to- I threw got, together. <laughs> I, I mean, it's so much fun, Andrew, and it's got like incredible reviews, like rave reviews. It's funny. I, uh, there were some people that came to the show, and and the point of the show is like you should come, and it should be an experience of your own. If you want to come and get wasted and like stand in the corner and talk to your friends you can if you come if you want to come and dance and sing along to the show and really be invested you can um and that's why i say it's sort of experimental um because it is you could go 90 different times and it would be different every single time um but it still follows this Mm -hmm. through line and uh what sheer was able to achieve was uh you come in and you are at this rave party and you're drunk. And by the end, people were sobbing and it was just being able to go on like an emotional story in a nightclub setting. is just like bananas, but somehow her and Mark were able to figure that out. Um, and uh, either you came, <laughs> some people came and were like, I don't get it it's loud and i'm like yes yes." they're like the music was all like edm i was like right yeah that's somebody i think somebody as as an insult i think somebody was like it's like um abba on speed like abba chipmunks on speed and i was like correct i think the new york times said as a negative thing it was like um uh, Rocky Horror meets 90s Madonna music video. And I was like, that's correct. I was like, that's right. Yeah. That was a negative thing? That's on I the know. poster. I mean, come on. That's beautiful. So, yeah. Also, any of those descriptions could be used to describe any gay pride parade. So You're right. <laughs> yeah. I found that a lot of younger, younger kids uh, were able to come and sort of art- understand what the message of the whole show was. And p- they were able to be, actually people would come and be like, so here's exactly what happens and could explain everything. I, I did have friends that went, I had a bunch of friends that went and they said it was the most fun that they've had in theater. Oh, I'm glad. I was saying that kind of brings us to one of the big questions. Like we wanted to talk to you about and get your opinion on mm. like, why do queer people love theater, especially like in musical theater um, so much? Or you have a lot of straight people who say like, "Oh, I just don't like musicals or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I mean, for for me, the first musical that I saw and loved, my father sat me down and he was like, "Oh, you're gonna love this." And he played me Little Shop of Horrors. And as soon oh, as those cool. gals started singing, and as soon as that plant started eating people, I was like, "Oh, this <laughs> is absolutely what I'm into." It's- so yeah. that's so perfect for for yeah especially for your first one right oh my God. and um i don't know uh theater i think something about theater is very communal and us as queer people i think we we always want community and we always want a, a place that we can see ourselves and i think more often than uh, film and television you do see queerer characters being portrayed and even if they aren't there is a lot of flamboyance that goes into uh the more straighter yeah. or um non-queer stories right because right. you do have to play everything up because it's theater and it's a stage and every every movement has to be gestured like wildly for the for people in the back row to see Totally. And everything has to be projected far. Yeah. Yes. But you're right. Because queer people, I think, are always searching for 
this com- a community or a family outside of their the family they were born into often and I think you've got something there in terms of like how theater kind of creates that like when people are putting on a production together you're spending a lot of time together and you really do have to trust each other yeah totally as performers too I think it's also for a lot of us uh skays who were theater kids it's probably the first time whether we knew it or not it was the first time we were really interacting with other gay people totally you know true yeah interesting even if we were like in the closet yeah right yeah it was our like secret place of like i don't know you guys it was that or you were an emo kid right (laughs) (laughs) or maybe both maybe probably both definitely both no the emo kids they were like they were they were like backstage right yeah (laughs) they're like i want to do lighting yes absolutely (laughs) it's interesting because i've been thinking a lot about this lately it's like the reason of like oh why do i choose only female characters when i'm playing video games or like when i was a kid or why was i so gravitated towards these things that were typically or not even typically but over the top you know flowing over with femininity um Mm -hmm. or like on the side of the spectrum that is more femme and i think it's because that was something that was taboo for me at the time and i was told to suppress that part of myself so that was like my little escape where i could like go in it was acceptable if i wanted to play as shiva in mortal Kombat, and it was like (laughs) because it was still in that realm yeah. You know what that sounds like? My therapist just told me this this week that I'm a quiet rebeller. And that's kind of what it sounds like. You're like a form of your quiet rebellion. I love that. Yeah. I did the exact same thing, but like my dad was very very strict about a lot of things, about about like how you know, how I acted in like a, a more trying to make me act in a more masculine way. Um and and like but but also was very strict about health and stuff like mm. that. Um, like the I think the sugariest cereal we had at the house was like maybe Kix sometimes as a treat, <laughs> and Kix is a garbage cereal. <laughs> um, so but like at but that you just heard it here idea, first, but folks. Like, yeah, you heard it here. <laughs> Hot take. You can give but, Zach um, a little Kix as a treat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like at at school, then I would buy like. I would buy like a hostess snack every single day mm. because like it was, it felt like the only thing I could do. Quiet. You know, rebellion. it was just quiet rebellion. And then quiet now rebellion. that's why I have love handles. So. <laughs> I love Sarah Silverman and, you and look her great. book. She talks about um, her thing is make it a treat. I don't know if this is a, a sidetrack from this, but I always sure, try to not? make everything a treat. So never anything mm, in excess. If you cute. really like something, make it a treat. Just make it a little treat. It's like when yeah. I put a, a, a suit on or like I dress up, people are like, oh my God, because I never do. So it's a treat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you dress up in a totally different way. Yeah. <laughs> but kind of kind of back to theater. Um, I do think, you know, theater is a place that has been telling queer stories a lot sooner than other forms of media have. Totally. Mm-hmm. And not in ways like you were saying on Charmed where they're the joke or they're just killed off or something like that. You know, real queer stories are are explored. And then you have actors who are who are gay playing straight roles which you don't, you know, not out actors anyway in film, you know. They're not able to right. do that. Right. And LA is so gay. Everyone's gay. It's so For gay. For sure. Absolutely. But they're just not saying it. <laughs> 
It is. I feel like L.A. is definitely a more closeted town than New York. Not that like L.A. L.A. is still extremely liberal compared to a lot of places, but it's New York. You can be so on your sleeve weird, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so on your sleeve gay. Because you're, so be, you're not going to be denied anything for being gay in New York or like as far as like acting goes or anything yeah. like that. Like, you know, whereas in L.A., you might get looked over for something for being gay. Like, oh, this guy well, can't play a yeah. straight role. Whereas in theater. Right, because yeah. middle of America is watching this show. Right. Right. And they don't want to see a gay person on their TV. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting though, like even even in New York, the like the mainstream Broadway theater community, I find I find, um, is still not as accepting as they should be. It's like you're Broadway, really? Really? like you are the gayest thing. So um, our goal with casting Oscar was like we want this to be, we got we lucked out. We have the best cast, and I just wanted the most talented, cool, down to earth people, and we found them, and it was. Uh, diverse and cool and different backgrounds and different abilities and um, I think that's what everything should be and just to like see yeah. another show go up with like these like muscly white guys and like these like thin girls that are like I'm just like I'm over it I don't right. you know yeah just like another Jersey Boys where every guy looks exactly the same yeah. yeah it's yeah I get that like even though theater is doing a little better telling these stories they could still be doing yeah. a lot better you know i concur i get that that's great though i love that that's part of your message is telling diverse stories and having all sorts of different people tell them right i it's and it's something that i've always gravitated towards like oh, well we just talked about this like i since i was younger i've always just like well oh actually well that's the theater right that's i feel like why queer people like theater is like theater is sort of other and as time goes on it's mm-hmm. gonna, kind of this dying art form and we're mm-hmm. struggling to keep it alive. And es- yeah. especially in this quarantine, I feel like people are feeling it because uh, we can watch TV as much as we want. We can watch Joe Schmo go live and do a workout routine as <laughs> every single day. But at the end of the day, we're all going to crave being with other people, around other people, watching something, experiencing something. Right. Right. So the other day... One of my friends who uh, plays piano and does a lot of performing around L.A., she uh, just got on on Facebook Live and was playing. She did like, I'm going to take requests for Disney songs. And she was just playing and she had a little tip bucket open. And it seriously made my whole day just seeing somebody be so, I don't know, just joyful and doing their art. You know, it was it was so great. And I missed that. T. Yeah. 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 You're right, and there is something, but there is a difference between being in a movie theater with a bunch of people, and you look up, yes. and it's just a flat screen. Not to say that movies aren't great; obviously, movies are incredible. But there is something different when there's physical people in front of you, like on the stage. Yeah, I love that feeling, just knowing that it's live and that it's wow, it's really happening. Yeah. But also, when I'm in a live theater setting, especially if it's a thrust stage, for like five minutes. I always have this weird, anxious feeling where I'm just like, I could get up right now. <laughs> I, I could walk right on stage. And it's this, I'm not going to do it, but it's like. Zachary, yeah. I have the same thing. I, 
it, it just I could ruin this. I could ruin this right now. I'm not going Nothing, to. Nothing. What would no, they do? Absolutely. The show must go do? on. Let's test that. See, that's the serial killer part of your brain. <laughs> I saw a production of Rocky Horror when I was in high school once where this drunk girl walked on stage <gasps> and she just froze and then they just like quietly washed her off. Yeah. Oh my god! But like, what a perfect show to be. Yeah, like, I mean, that's if, true. If any of the shows, yeah, that's perfect. But there's that's other perfect. shows. I was on. I was. I went to see Fun Home, and I had that feeling. And like, there are there are like holes in that stage that you could fall into. <laughs> I could have hurt myself. Another perfect example. Yeah. Rocky Horror. I mean, it's funny because Rocky Horror's audience, I feel like spans. Why do we all like? Why do we all resonate with it? Well, I was, um, I was, um, it's, it's about an awakening. That's the thing. I, um, one of my friends I remember in college was taking, she was taking a film course and she was like, she had to write a paper on Rocky Horror and she was struggling with a thesis and she like came to me about it and she was, I remember her asking like, well, I'm trying to figure out what to talk about, about Frank being the villain. And I'm like, no, that's not the thesis. The thesis is that Frank is a martyr. And that he awakened these people and was murdered for it. I mean, he's still a bad garbage person, but also that's the take. That's like we see these people at the end. They're like living their dreams and their lives and then they're taken down for it. Mm. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's interesting you say awakening because I always say my experience with the donkey show is what I imagine a lot of people's experience with Rocky Horror was. I remember watching Rocky Horror on like my laptop in my room and being like, what the fuck? I was like, what the fuck was this? Obviously, I was like obsessed with how crazy it was, but I watched it because I was doing the show and I was mm-hmm. like, I was playing Rocky and I was like, I better watch this. Um, but for me, I like, I feel like I guess I lived that experience doing Donkey Show because I got in the show and normally the fairies, I was one of the fairies who are like the go-go boys mm-hmm. and um, they were all like shirtless in like these little go-go boots or go-go shorts, not boots. And, uh, like, covered in glitter. And I had never, like, I had never, like, been that naked in public. And I remember, like, doing the show being, like, okay, like, so nervous. And then when I realized, like, oh, I'm fine. Like, and I wasn't, yeah. like, a muscle. I was, you know, I was, like, this thin stick child. But <laughs> um, something about being, like, feeling comfortable and, like, living that, like, oh, my God, this is all okay. And these parts of myself that I was told to hate, like, are actually celebrated here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, very weird. And, I mean, you could argue, like, Rocky Horror, like, well, m- might need some revamping with today's, like, lingo and uh, political correctness. Right. But, sure, absolutely. Yeah. But, but you know, what a, what a uh, commentary on gender and... And societal roles and yeah. what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, some guy hundreds of years ago decided that, like, this woman should wear a, a white wedding gown and then be, like, sold away. And so now we're still doing that. And, like, we've, like, changed it, but, like, we're still doing it. It's we're just, like, it. there are these yeah. traditions that, like, we haven't changed. Yeah. Um, and that's why I, that's, that's why I, that is the thing that I love most about being queer and gay and, um, I I have no fear about uh, exploring my gender identity slash and or expression. No fear about uh, uh, exploring my own sexuality 
and whatever that means. I don't have I don't have goalposts. That's also terrifying. Right. But like going through life, I don't feel. I personally don't feel like I have to hit like get married, get a job, have kids. Yeah. Go to soccer practice. You know, I I'm. Right. It's much more of a blank canvas. We don't have that like long tradition in a sense to kind of like feel pressure from and so you're free to kind of make it up as you go and um i think that makes also a lot of sense why queer people are so creative you know yeah we have that freedom to do so in a sense i I will say you'd be a cute soccer mom (laughs) (laughs) handing out little orange uh, orange slices (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, I'm dressed as a soccer ball. <laughs> a sexy soccer ball. Well, I just did that for, do you, are you guys watching Drag Race this season? Yes. I did um, that outfit for Jan. For Jan, yes. Who I'm just, like loving and I just can't stand that they're sleeping on her this season. Oh, it's so fucked up. I can't. I'm just like, you guys, top two this week again. So, well, getting into like the reality television of it all, it's so crazy this experience has been crazy because, you know, I've been a fan of the show for so long. I've never had a, a real close friend, a best friend, obviously, on the mm-hmm. show. And to just see the general public react to him and uh, his castmates has just been so weird. And uh, seeing I've known Britta f- since I've moved to New York. I back and yeah. for Britta. She's so sweet. And um, obviously there's, you know problematic stuff spinning around with this right. this season yeah but wild. just seeing like the death threats and like the hate and i'm just like it's so weird to imagine like going onto somebody's page and being like i'm gonna kill you <laughs> yeah. yeah like this is a person yeah like it's so weird to see the like but that's reality television we're taking right. these real and that's what mark conceptualized right with oscar is like you you're taking these real human people with ids and social security numbers, and you are fictionalizing them into these characters. Right. Yeah. And then now the public can just do whatever they want with that information. Right, because they feel they own them right. a little. Yeah. Uh, especially because so it's like, in the grand scheme of things, no matter how much of a bitch this person is on TV, even if they're the worst, like, what is their crime? Like, they were a I bitch know. on TV. It's not like they should die because they were a jerk or something. You know what I mean? It's not like what they do have totally. any ramifications no. on you or anyone. So it's just yeah. ridiculous. Send death threats where it, sh- where they should be sent, like politicians and the right. president. You know what I mean? Like send your death threats where it counts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Haley. That's very, yeah, yeah. that's very sweet. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a very sweet sentiment. <laughs> um, what would you say in a shortest little soundbite? Would you say is the difference between the LA theater scene and the New York theater scene? Good question. Having lived out here, there is one in New York. <laughs> ah, oh, there you go. There it is. No, yeah. no, it's it's. <laughs> yeah. So my experience with LA, <laughs> and you guys have lived there longer, but my personal experience, my my experience was, I moved to LA and I was like gung ho. I had a, many a factor that were personal. However, what I what I experienced was LA is very slow. It's it's like weed in that way. Everyone's kind of taking their time and it's very like, "Oh, I'll see you later." And then you don't see them later. Versus New York. I didn't feel like I was on planet Earth when I lived in LA. When I came back east, 
I had, I felt like on my feet on the ground, there was always things to do. Everybody's like this, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So there is that fire. And for a while I hated New York. I never imagined that I would move there. Um, but now I can't imagine living anywhere else. And I think, um, well, a New York there is like a hub, right? It's like, here's all the theaters. Here's all these people creating it. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, film, television, that medium rules the West coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think theater sort of like takes a bit of a backseat. There are cool creative people out there doing theater. I just think, um, I think maybe the people in New York are more likely to go and support it. Is that bad to say? No, you're absolutely right. I think even anyone in LA who's like diehard LA will still admit like the theater here isn't that great. You know what I mean? The theater scene here isn't, and not that the talent There's isn't that great. Good pockets. Yeah, yeah not the that the talent yeah. isn't great, but the scene, like as in how often it happens, like you know how many people are involved in it seriously, you know, are, is less. You know, if I can like yeah. change one thing, I just want to like change people's view. Well, like <laughs> talk about fucking the blueprints. Like, let's like what are the blueprints of theater? Like it's it's a performance that is happening in front of you and not on a television screen or in a book or. Uh, on a movie screen it is something that's happening in front of you that could be anything like if you're going to a drag show like technically you're seeing theater if you're Mm -hmm. like it really is this vast uh river of (laughs) of possibility and i want to um challenge people's view on what what that is like uh i want i want to go see theater that's like dark and like I'm obsessed with horror. Like I, I want to go see, yeah. I love haunted houses. Like that's theater. Mm-hmm. Haunted houses are theater. I want to do things that, um, live more in that darker, wilder realm where people aren't as comfortable, I guess. Um, but hopefully, um, it changes. So down the line, it is cooler. Well, I mean, the only way we can make that happen is if we make our own shows, Mm. I think. So I think we should – I think that's a great segue. Well done, me. Um, Into a a game uh, (laughs) that I made. Um, Basically, we're we're all a fan of musicals here, yes? Yes. Yes. Obviously, yes. Obviously, come on. Um, And so I – have you ever heard of Botnik, Andrew? Botnik? It's like – so it's it's basically this thing that if you feed it a lot of text – it will then, like, try and create words, like, phrases and sentences based off of those words that you fed into it. And so I fed wow. into it musical titles <laughs> and pooped out new musical names based off of those. Right. So I have a long list. We don't have to go through all of these, but I'm going to send this to you guys. Uh, and then uh, we're going to pick what we like with the ones we like and just chat about them as if they're real. Okay. Um, and just trying to figure out what they'd be mm-hmm. um, and potentially even what the name of like the song from the show is, you know? Yes. Love it. Yeah. So just, I'm going to send these and let me know what's, what's, what's speaking to you right now. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. There there's go. a list. Yes. All right. Let's go. Through. Oh, are we like making up plot? Yeah. Yes. Okay. What's grabbing okay. you? There's a lot of these, I, I, and I'm gonna post these on the Instagram as well. Okay, so, I've got whatever. one that really <laughs> okay. grabbed me. I've got one that grabbed me. Okay, okay, it's called Peach Grease: colon, 
The dark and old music of The Last Damn Moon. You found my favorite one. <laughs> it is my favorite title. This is straight up. I, 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 I looked at this and I was like, this is actually a solid title. I love it's it. Solid. It's Peach solid. Peach Grease. <laughs> the dark and old music oh. of The Last Damn Moon. <laughs> this is like some like southern gothic like gothic shit lesbian like there's, there's yeah. moonshine happening mm. like yeah. this that's is, this peach is, grease yeah there yeah it's peach yeah. grease peach moonshine. grease yes. peach grease to me does sound like um that like women when they get wet like that's what you call peach grease oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. like ooh. oh i rub think that this yeah, might girl. be like <laughs> some sort of like southern lesbians at the end of the world sort of thing like I love that phrase, "the last damn mm-hmm. moon" or something like that. Like That's maybe there's cool. something, oh yeah, a- end of days happening here. Like there's something right. very dark and gothic happening. It definitely starts out with an old lesbian in a rocker chair whittling, who's like, "Well, yeah. let me just tell you a story about the last damn moon." Yeah, and then mm. yep, and then like maybe it's like a, all like there's a band on stage, of course, because it's yes, there has to be, and like this is all like banjo. The, well, the old music of the last, like, mm-hmm. like music she's already written. Um, yeah. it's, it's so like oh. it's all it's all of her memories of like here's the music. Yeah. Okay, so this is like a dark, like this is like a more dark gothic version of like fried green tomatoes in a sense, where it's like this oh, old woman shit. like let me tell you this story about my youth. Hint, hint, yeah. I'm a lesbian. You know, some I mean? there's some dead body hidden in a swamp somewhere <laughs> yeah she's definitely killed someone and they're sipping on peach grease sipping on peach grease but like make of that it. what you will <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 both kinds wink both kinds of peach grease <laughs> i love that one so it's incredible much. i love it all right what else are we looking at andrew what, what um, do you got what what <laughs> Well, another it's the, the hyphens really get me it's like <laughs> demon music a chorus of mormon rock that really gets me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's self-explanatory. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. It's it's just like Book of Mormon, except everyone is like the devil. I mean, death metal. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, oh no. Wait. Yeah. The like They're the Satanists. priest or whatever <laughs> is the devil. The the priest is the devil. Yeah. And he's leading these Mormon people astray, making them think that they're pre- he's preaching the word of God. Oh, I love that. And so every like they break into like super satanic evil songs, and then they're like, "Come join the Church of Mormon." And I was like, "What?" I mean, this could be a neon covenant. I'm production. sorry, <laughs> I'm laughing at the one underneath this. Bye, oh. bye, 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 <laughs> bye, 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 bye. <laughs> also, really good. That one's really good. How many buys is that? I think nine. One, it's two, nine buys. Nine buys. Wow. I think yeah, it would be like shortened to you know B9. Uh, like the hashtag would be nine buys Got b9 you. or yeah by nine i think it's about nine bisexuals <laughs> and it's the music of nsync it's kind of yeah. like the style nine yeah. bisexuals in 2000 in the year 2000 like when nsync was big maybe they were all they're all bi kids and <gasps> And they went to school in the 90s, went to high school in the 90s, and they're having a reunion. But it's Y2K, and, like, the world actually does end, so bye-bye-bye, sweetie. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. Oh, my God. So bye-bye-bye to all these bisexuals. Well, (laughs) I'm seeing, like, a trend in all of these. A lot of apocalypse. Uh, I wonder why. One of my favorites is one of the most simple. Okay. 
and it's called or, sorry one of my favorites is one of the simplest <laughs> and it's just old annie okay wait. i love so, i have a dream. old annie so much i have i have a pitch but okay go I ahead continue no, you do oh, your okay. pitch Okay, so I think the obvious the obvious route for old Annie would be to be like so she's she's old now, she's running the Warbucks sort of situation, <laughs> and she gets an orphan. No, we're not gonna do that because that's too obvious. I think what's happens is Orphan Annie now runs an orphanarium herself. And it's very nice because she's got that Warbuck money. In fact, it's mm-hmm. so nice that none of the girls, like, they don't want to get adopted anymore because we love you, Annie. Aww. We love you. We want to stay with you. And she's Old like, Annie. I got to adopt yeah. these kids off. So now she starts acting like like Miss Hannigan to then get, make them hate the place so that they leave Whoa. and get, get families. Wow, that's I think a that's Old bitch. Annie. Can I tell you, I, I thought you were going with this was, I thought you were going to say, old annie gets so old she gets dementia and has to be like adopted by someone again to take care of also her. that really wait good. no so much better throw my idea out I, that's real good i have a dream of doing a show called xoxo annie oh no sorry xoxo <laughs> aggie and it's the prequel to annie about miss it's it's agatha hannigan's backstory oh but i have a dream awesome. where you watch this whole show happen and you're following this woman and um she like is gonna be, make it, make it on Broadway, and it's this whole thing. You watch Act One, Act Two, and then in the lat, like the second to last scene, someone runs out of one of the buildings, and it's like the the owner of the orphanage died. Who can run an orphanage? A girl in the ensemble goes, "I can. I'm Agatha Hannigan." We forget <laughs> what we just saw. The red, it's the not next, that. It's somebody else. Somebody else. <laughs> and then she, it's just her being like, "Well, I guess this is my life now." Last scene. <laughs> They, the two, they're like, please take our daughter, Annie. And she's holding Annie. The spotlight just zooms in on her face and she just looks up and goes, huh. blackout. <laughs> <laughs> blackout. Perfect. I like it. It's TM, like TM, wicked. TM. It's like <laughs> Annie, wicked for Annie, except then at some point we're like, no, sorry, it's not this green bitch. It's this other green person. <laughs> That's the Wicked Witch of the West. That's real good. Can you imagine if there, after all that shit, going through shiz, all that stuff, it's just some other green bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Wicked Witch of the West. That is so good. I do love that. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Wow, I would watch that. Andrew, is there, what else is grabbing you out of these? I, um, no, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> They're all really good. Yeah. Some of them seem like I think they could be shows. They've, yeah. <laughs> in fact, if we want to, if we want to put together a treatment for Peach Grease, the dark and old music <laughs> of the Last Damn Moon, I would be so down. I'm down. Yes, I'm down. I mean, it's it's the it's the fucking Supermoon tonight. It's the Supermoon tonight. Exactly. What are we talking? Like, come on. It is. Wait, this is the Last yeah, Damn Moon. This is the time. This is where I finally become that Florida character. Oh, I oh my god! Wait, I also <laughs> this is your story. I also Domestic love, Haley. I love Spider. Show me a father. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. What does it mean? I think. Well, we. I think we got to have like a spider, a big puppet. Or yeah, something. she's she's mm-hmm. a psychic. Actually, sorry, oh. they're a psychic. They're right. a psychic. Mm-hmm. We don't know. There's... Is it a real spider, or are they named Spider? I think their name. I think they are a spider. I think they're a spider. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a kid like in an attic or something finds a spider. Befriends the spider. Maybe. The spider's name yeah. is probably like 
like Harriet. Yeah. Right. I love Oh, you know what's so sad is the reason he's in the attic is because his stepdad's being mean and he's yeah. not a good dad at all. So he goes <sighs> to the attic, befriends a spider, and he's like, you know what, spider, get rid of this guy. He's no good for my mom or me and show me oh. a father. And then the spider becomes the father. Yeah. Well, you could also <laughs> weave the, do these great like projection stuff, multimedia stuff where the where spider, where Harriet is weaving like scenes into their webs they're weaving the future or or these visions um andrew could you um could you what's the name of the the like the song from spider show me a father well (laughs) i'm pretty sure like the kid that like the 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 little boy's character yeah he's he does he like the reason his father's so mean to him is because he's covered in warts and so so, no no yeah it's like well it's the kind of like that's talk about being othered. Mm-hmm. So that's kind mm-hmm. of like hmm, his otherness. So the side yeah. is, but turns out those the warts are actually full of spider eggs, <laughs> like in <laughs> like in scary stories to tell in the dark. Yes. <laughs> and then he's a father. He's the father he was looking <laughs> for all along. So maybe I, show me a father. So like the hit it's song, me. "Let's Give Birth." <laughs> um, big group number. Yeah. Yeah, with all the spider babies. Yeah, and like right. the that's the sp- like the spider's doing a quick change, but like there's another spider that comes on. She's a lesser character. It's kind of the in this corner number from Kinky Boots. Yeah, she comes yeah, on. Yeah. She's just spelt. She's sitting hitting all the high notes, and she's like, "Let's give birth," you know. Big <laughs> dance number. All the warts. I love are, it. Are, are, yeah. They're popping. They're flying. They're, 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 it's incredible. 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 It's all like wart. Can, it's like confetti squibs just all over this. Yeah. Oh, my just, God. Psh. Yeah, it's like um, in Birds of Prey when Harley Quinn is like shooting those confetti cannon things. Yeah. With glitter. I think we, we of course, need a splash zone in Spider Show <laughs> like My Father. Dead, the musical. I think, yes. I think almost any form of art can be heightened by having a splash zone. Absolutely. The very slow and sad number will be called The Webs We Weave. And it's just like a really sad, like how we kind of, you know, we put ourselves in these positions sometimes, you know, we, we, we weave something thinking it's going to be great. And then it's like, well, now we're stuck with it. You know, now we're trapped. Yeah. We're trapped in our own web of our own design. Exactly. I don't know. I just got an image of like Carol Channing, like screaming into a dragon's mouth. But like, I (laughs) feel like that's the poster. Yeah. Sure. So she's just like, they're like. You know, like face to face, but the dra- it's up with a dragon. But it's sort of like, what are you up against? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> what is? <laughs> also, it's called Spider Show Me a Father. But we don't know. Like, I, if that was the title no, of no, no. the poster, I'd go see it because I'd have to see it. <laughs> That's I'd true. have to know what was happening. <laughs> Why is Carol um, Channing in this? You know, <laughs> <laughs> is she? Why is a dragon in this? I didn't mention yeah. a dragon anywhere. <laughs> um, my other, I love this one so much and it's free fossey from the roof free fossey from the roof <laughs> yeah he's stuck up there he's it's probably loud from all his dancing yeah, and like he wasn't the and best guy you know like he was he was no he wasn't great um so who's freeing fossey hmm I think it's maybe like a a build like a it's like it's like you have an on sort of an ensemble show where you have a bunch of people living in a building. Like co-op. And Fosse's up there on that roof. Like co-op. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then Fosse's up there. Gotcha. He's stuck on the roof. And nobody knows how he got up there, but he's there. It doesn't matter. 
maybe they like all get up there and it's a big party and Fosse's like and like the door gets locked behind them and so right. while they're waiting to be saved they come up with this mad they they birth the show themselves oh it's it's about the creation of a show while they're stuck on a roof the whole the whole play is supposed to take place in real time uh-huh so it's yeah. the exact two hours where they're stuck on the roof and like how that plays out i like it right but yeah. then you have other people who are like trying to at a certain point somebody else is vying for power right and they're like why are we listening to fossey you know we like why is this the show like you know it's very lord of the flies right oh uh, but stuck on a roof <laughs> i get that <laughs> yeah and everybody keeps saying that man if only phones were invented like cell phones <laughs> not not phone phones like you know not like that i know that phone but like if cell phones were invented or like and they're like i don't know what you're talking and about. we learn new things about fossey like it's just like Fo- yeah. like fossey's obsessed with invader zim <laughs> or like, sure. you know what I mean? yeah like or like he loves nightmare before christmas yeah, he, right. loves that. he was really into gaia online when it first started out <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you got two hours. What else are you going to talk about? You yeah, know? what else are you going to talk about? Yeah, well, now that we're talking, I think it's like modern day. They get trapped on the roof. Fosse's just that he didn't die. <laughs> He's been <laughs> stuck on a roof. He's been He's stuck been on a roof. And so they're updating him on what's happening. But like, <gasps> as the show goes on, you realize he knows what's going on. He like he's going on. He, he did. He, in fact, him. he <laughs> trapped them on that roof with him. Oh, yes. it was all part of his plan. Wow. Kind of a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory situation where, like, it's like, oh, it's okay. Andrew, Harigami. it's exactly like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Harigami, the, the lead character, she comes up and he's like, you're taking on my legacy, Harigami. And so she becomes the, <laughs> the new roof. She, the new person new, on the roof. The roof. The new roof. <laughs> the new roof. <laughs> That's the way to bring it home. <laughs> the fact that, like, Joseph is huge. Like, we all know it. It's weird. There's it's weird like shows that decide that we decide are are good or big. Like I mean, Cats is one of the most popular shows, and it's garbage. Did you guys see the movie? Uh, yes, I did. I had for I I wasn't going to, but then it was a friend's birthday, and I strongly believe in birthday magic, and so I went, and it was mm. a waste of time. Thoughts. It was it was <laughs> a waste of time. You didn't have fun. I went out worse than I came in. Oh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Talk about communal experience though. When I went. <laughs> Um, the entire theater was just like comment. I, I felt like I was. We were Rocky, screaming like. and commenting at the theater, at like and at the screen. But I've never been more aware that a movie is happening right at me, and like, <laughs> and it was just, oh man, it was just and there wasn't enough to grab onto. You know, there was no, there was no like. I think in in order for a film to be like really cult classic worthy. There needs to be like, okay, there was an idea here. You know, there was there was something, there was at least one strong thing. Mm-hmm. And even though they did it wrong, I can see why they believed in this. But that, it's just like at every possible, you were given all the gifts, so much money, all these people, and you wasted it on this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's baffling. It's, it's funny because this is like, one of the few movies and there are tons of offensive movies out there but this is one of the few movies where people feel universally personally offended by i i felt like <laughs> i like i wasted brain cells mm. by looking at this film have you seen ju- the musical um 
No, I haven't on stage. No, I guess not. So the problem was is like if you see the musical live theater, you are I'm, I'm aware that these are human beings in right. cat costumes. Totally fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like dancing and singing. So it's like I've I've actually never seen it. I've only been in it, but I've watched like the Broadway sure. movie musical when they like filmed the Broadway people right. on stage. And I used to like it as a kid because like it just was what it was. It was weird. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine when, like, a show is... I don't even mind the structure of it not having much of structure. I love hair, and that's just another show where people are like, here's my one thing about me, right. you know? Like, but... And, and I, I... But they tried I enjoy, to make it in the movie. Right. And, but, and I, but, see, also, hair as a movie doesn't work either. Right. Um, the, the problem is the CGI thing and and the fact that like we're like okay we're gonna put human faces on these things but we're gonna the scale is gonna be all off Mm -hmm. and we're gonna put all this money and their faces are still gonna be look like they're floating on their bodies (laughs) and we're just for whatever reason not going to do makeup at all like if they just made some did some hair and makeup to make their 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 head size look like it fit on a cat body a little bit that would have been better you know I would have just weird. wanted like real cats. Like if you had the ability to CGI, or right. just make them cats. I think it should have been an anime. I talked with a friend about this. If it was an animated film and every segment was done by a different animator, <gasps> could have been really good. Oh. Um. So Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having uh, have you had me. a good time so far? Hell yeah! Great. Yay! Well, I great. Feel productive. Good. So do we. This has been a good, good productive Prince of Cups style oh my podcast God, yeah. so far. Great pink moon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're making peach grease. <laughs> I just love that phrase. It, it's just a good, it has a good mouth feel, the peach word, grease. the phrase yeah. peach grease. It's that assonance that you like yeah. the peach grease. I love it so much. An internal. The rhyme. funny thing about these is like. I get like promises in Paris, like that's promises, promises, and an American in Paris. Oh yes, yeah, you can tell. Te- what the fuck is Peach Grease? The dark and old music of the last. <laughs> yeah, time? like I don't know what okay. combination of things. Peach that is. comes from James the Giant Peach. Oh. Grease is just Grease. Right. Um, Sound of Music probably. Um, let's see, Damn Yankees. Uh, oh my god! Oh, good for you. Let's see. Dark. What's moon? What is dark from? Moon. I don't know. I have to look Sa- it up. He I, accidentally I have, I put s- Sailor Moon in there. <laughs> yeah, you knew Sailor it was Moon. coming. Whoops. Which does have a show. <laughs> yeah, so thanks again for playing that game with us and for being on the show. And now it comes to the point of the show where you get to ask your one judgment-free, unfiltered, whatever you want question of us. And Zach and I will answer it to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Zach said normally if there's, like, a non-queer person on the show, they, like, ask you guys, like, what's it like being yeah. being on the other side? But right. since we're all here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on this side. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, what character as a role model do you wish existed for you as a child? Like what? Wow! Whoa! That's what thing great. Do you would you have loved as a kid to have like looked up to that didn't exist when you were a kid, and it could exist now or not exist? Oh, do you just mean like what was a type of person that you wish you saw? Yeah, for me, for me, 
I, I've been thinking a lot about the like what I said before, how I would always choose these more feminine characters because I resonated with them and I found power in the fact that they were powerful because that meant that I was. Um, mm. So I guess oh. when I what I'm thinking is I would have loved a character that was, uh, I don't know. I guess there aren't, I mean, Steven Universe is the closest thing I can think of right now, but like I would have mm-hmm. loved sort of like a genderless, um, kind of like more fluid on the spectrum. Of oh, Double Trouble? Have you been watching She-Ra? She- my She-Ra loves that She-Ra and she's like, it's the best, yeah. but I haven't watched it yet. It's great. It's super gay. It's somehow gayer than Steven Universe, and I don't know how they did okay. it. <laughs> how do you pack yeah. more gay into it? But there, there's a character who's non-binary, oh. who's played by an actual non-binary, non-binary person, and they are a shapeshifter, so they can turn into anybody. And of course, somebody who is, a, that makes sense to me. If somebody who has a power to be a shapeshifter and can be however, like any sort of person, then gender would mean nothing to them. Of course, they're non-binary, and I love totally. that. I've adopted, the, not adopted, but... I've, yeah, I guess, no, I personally have adopted the phrase post-binary for myself because sh- when I oh. was struggling with, like, how my gender and, like, how I feel about it, um, I was having a conversation with Shira, and Shira was like, I feel like everyone is going through this maze of, like, what gender is, and you're, like, out of the maze drinking lemonade, like, under an umbrella. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I 100% vibe <laughs> with that. That is very um, so That's awesome. Yeah. I love I that. think I would have loved uh, like a uh, like a badass like ninja Power Ranger meet Sailor Moon type like something that's glittery and amazing yeah. and like really hyper feminine but at the same time just like bloody and like no bullshit. Right. That's I awesome. Love that. That's me. I think what I yeah, I think what I maybe could have used is like Cause I got some of the, I got some of the characters I needed when I became a teenager. Like, but I think what I could have used as like a kid, cause I watched a lot of like cartoon network cartoons as a kid. And if you think about like ensemble cartoons, like kids next door or something, right. Where there's like yeah. a group of, uh, you know, kids who are, uh, secret agents or mm. power Rangers. I watched a lot of power Rangers growing up, but in all those shows, number one in kids next door was a, boy in power rangers the red ranger was the main ranger always the one up front so i think what i could have used was a girl or a woman being in that front row because we did we got sailor moon and stuff which is like girl groups but i don't think we ever saw many mixed gendered ensemble groups where the woman was the lead totally and i think that would have not i mean not only like been helpful for for me but also would have kind of help carved out my place in society in terms of like if I'm in this group where I can take the lead and it wouldn't be met with any you know resistance or something like that I think that would have been really cool that's cool yeah yeah that'd be rad I love that yeah yeah I um man I I'm struggling thinking of a character that I would need in my life because I mean obviously I would love to see just anybody who was gay and it wasn't a joke right um but like for one what i'm just what i'm gravitating towards answering this is that i just wish i had a gay uncle in real life (laughs) (laughs) like just somebody who could like 
kind of be a mentor you know because right. we don't we don't get that we don't have that i know i have uh, i was uh, talking to a friend of mine who had a gay uncle and he talked to he said like he was just such a huge influence and he like you know took him to his first drag show and like just to not have been floundering on my own and just to have known what i was early on mm-hmm. because i saw it in my own life would have been great and also it would have probably I don't know, made my, made my like dad cooler with it sooner because it was already somebody, you know, an adult in, in my life. Mm-hmm. And it would have been, I just think it would have been so great right, to have a gay uncle. Yeah. I don't know why. No, that's it. So that's what you really yeah. needed was, was a gay uncle or family member. And like, yeah, go to them mm-hmm. with these questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's a really that would be great. great question. That's a great question. I love that. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. I know it's no, late for you. No, I'll be there. up for another five hours. It's fine. <laughs> I do know that. Yeah. I feel like the the, the time I message Zach is to just be like, hi. It's like five in the morning. He's like, why, why are you awake? I'm usually asleep. Like I'm <laughs> At 2 a.m. Yeah. Uh, so, well, we'll go to sleep and you'll start writing some music for Peach Grease and then we will reconvene. We'll reconvene in the we'll morning. Wor- we'll work on the okay. story and, and all that. Yeah. I'm like 50, 60, 70%, 80%. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I have to make my own musical first. <laughs> and then I'll, well, whatever, we'll, we'll table that. Um, uh, Andrew, speaking of your music, where can they find your music and where can they oh find God, you on fine. social media? Um, well, if you just search my name on Spotify, Andrew Barrett Cox or iTunes, but Spotify is free. Um, and take a listen or follow me on Instagram. Andrew Barrett Cox, one R. Nope, two R's, one T. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Gotcha. That's great. great. And Zach, where can people find us online? Great question, Haley. Um, we can be found uh, on Facebook. Uh, we're not together. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Not Together Cast. We're on Instagram at Not Together Podcast. Um, you can email us at Not Together Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, please keep sending in your uh, questions. We will answer those on our next listener advice uh, episode. Um, and if you just want to ask us a question uh, just to us separately and it's not an episode because uh, it might be a little more private, that's totally fine. We love chatting with you. And just put uh, artichoke as a little safe word. Artichoke. Uh, artichoke. <laughs> or you can just tell us don't use it. That's <laughs> fine. But uh, that's fine too. Uh, but yeah, please reach out. We love to chat. We're so lonely we're and we lonely. need things to do. We're not together right now, so we're not even we're seeing not each together. other. I know. I miss you so much. I miss so you too. Much. I usually oh see you gosh. so much. I know. <sighs> I do like that we get to do this. It's a nice schedule thing where I definitely know I'm going to see Haley. Yes. So Thank God. I got to get my Zach fix at least once a week. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Andrew, for being on the show and for coming and talking to us and uh, staying up four hours before your bedtime anyway. But thanks again (laughs) for doing it. Um, And thank you all for listening. Um, Once again, I'm Haley. I'm Zach. And And we're we're not not together. together. Bye. Bye. We're Not Together is produced, hosted, and edited by Zach Ogle and Haley Manrique. And our intro music and theme song is composed by Barry Anderson.